What is up, guys? Welcome to a special edition of Tuxedo Time Podcast Edition. I was just going to say welcome back, but this we've the... never actually had this done before. We've never done this before. No, we've never done this. This is our first podcast together. And if you could see us right now, this is ridiculous. Let me just take a picture so people can like just see the setup. Just one second. I'm going to remove my headphones. Okay, remove. I'm going to just take a She's removing her headphones. She's pulling the phone up. She has snapped the photo of me with my ninja screen, my ninja pop screen made out of, what's it, is this your pantyhose? The one pair of pantyhose that I never wear because I don't wear dresses. Stretched over a hanger <laughs> in a reflector holder connected to a boom arm, which is connected to a light stand. And we are using our video mics. Yes. <laughs> this is like the definition of like, what is it? Like shitty gear rigs or whatever. It's called? Sh- shitty rigs. I think it's an Sh- in- Instagram account. Yeah. <laughs> I sacrificed one of my good hangers for your pop screen, just so you know. Thank you. Appreciate it. There's definitely a p when I said pop screen. Yeah, You need to, to dampen the p- plosives. Yeah. Okay. So we've been making YouTube videos for like three or four years. And this is like the first time that you and I have ever even considered really doing a podcast together. We've been on other people's podcasts before. We've been on OPP. OPP, you know. Other people's podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) We've definitely been on OPP. Um, We kind of had a podcast, which was not really. It was called Creatively Committed. It was kind of like a YouTube series slash uh, Facebook Live slash we turned it into a podcast that was a huge failure because we did three episodes and then stopped. Well, it was you interviewing people who are in the creative space, right? Right, yeah. Which is difficult because everybody's got their own busy lives, including you. So um, it's ironic that it was called Creatively Committed and we did three episodes, or you did a three episodes. Yeah, it was definitely not committed. Shameful. I know it is. <laughs> it wasn't really sustainable, to be honest. Like, we're, we live in Buffalo, so we're around creators and e- it's easy to access creators, but everybody is busy and it's kind of hard to, like, schedule those you know, interviews and sit down and do like a whole live thing. And you're, you know, you're doing a live show, but then you're doing um, a video as well. So you have cameras rolling and then you have to take that audio and make it into a podcast. It just became, it was like a lot of things to do for one person and you work full time. So correct. it's, first of all, you and I have to do it together to really make it work or else. There's no cameras rolling here, is there? No. So, okay, here's the thing. We People would not be able to take us seriously right now. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. No, I know. Well, okay, so here's the thing. We were going to make this into a video podcast, but I thought it would be more sustainable if it was an audio-only podcast. We won't rule it out in the future. No, I mean, maybe maybe later on, but we'll start slow. Start with this shitty rig setup that we have going right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know how it sounds, because this is, this is really really um shall we say uh, i have no word for it sketchy as fuck yeah that's that's probably a have we decided that we can swear on this podcast and not you can say whatever you want i just i beep out my fucks all the time i've said i've already said it like five times i'm gonna stop but i i beep them out on the youtube all the time i wash your mouth out with soap has have you has has you ever had that done before Uh, i don't think so i'd have when i was a kid (laughs) anyway but moving on let's talk about tuxedo time for a second because Obviously, this is our first episode, so we're probably going to have a lot of new people listening to this. I don't know why anybody will click on the Tuxedo Time title, but if you know, you know. (laughs) Yeah, this is not going to attract any listeners outside (laughs) of our normal base of people on YouTube. No, this is very our niche, our people specific. That's okay. A little, little nugget for you guys. Yeah. So Tuxedo Time is basically, it started as a time where we just got together and wore our shittiest clothes, jogging pants, sweatpants. And, you know, we'd sit down and watch a movie or after a busy day, it was like, all right, it's tuxedo time. Take off the real clothes, put on the sweatpants, and then we we hang. We'd be chilling. 
I'm just peering over my pop screen here and checking out your attire. You got def- you got a little tuxedo going on there, a little black on black action. Listen, I'm wearing a tuxedo on brand. Yes, but and you were also wearing black on gray, which is on brand. Besides those red headphones you have on, atrocious. Just, you set this just, up. I you know, put the- I, know, I know. I didn't have a head. I didn't have a head. Listen, this setup is not for real. Next time, everything will be black. It's fine. But I am a little disappointed because those are nice pants. These are my tuxedo pants. The definition of tuxedo time is like sweatpants moving on okay yeah so tuxedo time basically started as like our hanging out jogging pants and then it became like a segment on our youtube channel it leashed into our youtube channel it did yeah well it was kind of like an opportunity for us to have like a sit down in front of the camera and talk to you guys moment um and we wanted to keep it real because who likes wearing real pants not me chris is raising his hand (laughs) fun fact chris used to be a fashion instagrammer in another life in another life things have have changed now said Tuxedo Time podcast is here, and um, what are we going to be talking about? Like, what is the niche? There's no niche to this podcast. I think it's going to be the exact same as our YouTube channel. There's no niche. Random We'll shit. talk about whatever we're into, and that's it. Loosely photography, camera-related, creative life-related. Just because we're in that realm. Just because we're in that, yeah, that's kind of our life. Um, what's happening over there? <laughs> My pop screen is attached to me, and I'm moving, and it's moving. Jesus. All right. I'm going to slowly remove. It's the it's the leg. It's the <laughs> It's the Pantheo's leg. It's like... But it's deflated because it's there's not there's, no one's wearing it, there's obviously. No, there's no leg in it. So it's just a string and it's, just, it's like a multi-leg it's sea really creature weird. wrapped around me right now. To do for Monday, get a legit pop screen. <laughs> so I, I think this is kind of like the perfect example of just trying to make it work with what you got. I think that's a good... That's a, definitely a good sentiment. We had... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. We, we, we've made pretty... We've been shitty rigs in the past before. Hell yes. Including a full lighting kit out of Home Depot fluoro lights and work lights and you shot a music video link into the what show notes is that how we say it am I doing the show notes oh my god yeah am I podcasting right yeah so I'm actually in the description box below I mean the show notes oh yeah show notes beckyandchris.com slash podcast hopefully I'll dub that over if that's not the URL (laughs) (laughs) yeah we wanted to start this podcast and we had all these intentions of like building a podcast room and getting the proper setup and then we're like well maybe we should try recording some first a to see if it's sustainable and if people like it and if it works or maybe you hate sitting in a room with me talking to me for however long this podcast ends up being and then i'm gonna cry but then we're just like shag it let's just we have two mics they're not podcasting mics we've got the road video micro which but i'm using i think that's the big misconception because mm-hmm. i mean any audio file is probably going to listen to me like, oh, that doesn't sound very good. Right. But most of the video people, they don't really have that, you know, discerning taste in audio. But I think that objectively, this probably sounds okay just because we have dedicated mics and we're very close to the mics. Correct. And honestly, whether you're using a video mic pro and a video micro, which is exactly what we're using right now, mm-hmm. versus a dedicated, you know, quote unquote, podcasting mic. I think the I saw a tweet actually recently. I can't remember who posted it, but it was basically saying order of importance for mic for getting good audio. Number one, distance like distance to mic. Right. Number Your mouth two, is like basically touching the mic. Yeah. Right number two, I don't think of, I can't remember number two. Then number three and four was like the actual mic and the preamp. Right. So I think that there's a lot people put a lot it, the same with video people put too much emphasis on gear 100% and technique is really what matters I see a lot of people who get like hung up on you know they want to start a YouTube channel or start shooting photos or doing something but then they're like well I can't yet because I need a better camera but it's like you really don't it's true like 
I started a podcast with my friends here in Buffalo called Wins Food. We started it last year. We've been podcasting for a year. We've got like 47 episodes up now. and we, That's insane. Isn't that insane? <laughs> we record once a month. Um, we put up a podcast once every two weeks now. And we have a Yeti microphone. That you just put in the middle of the room. That we just put in the middle of the room. And we just record ourselves. Like We really do need four mics. But it was another one of those things where it was like... Are we going to, are four of us with busy schedules going to be able to get together and consistently put out, turn out a podcast every second week? So it was like, we're not going to buy anything. We're not making money from this podcast. So let's just use what we got. And that's not what we're using here because we can, we're able to do a little bit, something a little bit better because it's just the two of us mm-hmm. with the two mics and the H4N. Zoom H4N. Which is like eight ancient oh my god i bought that probably i bought that at the same era that's from the same era as the 5d mark ii holy shit which is probably like 2008 ish right that thing's probably that's over 10 years old wait did this come from newfoundland yeah it did because i used to like record voiceovers oh yeah i bought that from bnh along with the mark the 5d mark ii Mm -hmm. and i used it as an external audio recorder for a shotgun mic to input into the 5d mark ii did we have a shotgun mic we did, but I didn't like the I, the noise. It was too noisy, so I returned it. But then I kept the zoom, like mm. as if I was going to get another shotgun mic, and I never did. Right. And then I just always had that external recorder. We used it from time to time, just on random projects here and there. Mm-hmm. But it's a pain in the ass because you have to sync up the the any any external audio recorder is a pain in the ass having to sync it up in post. So yeah. it's way easier if your mic goes right into your camera, kind of thing. Right. Exactly. And I actually I I had a cable that would input the um. It was, would line in into the camera so that it would sync up. Now that I remember it, remembering all these random thoughts, and it so it was it was fine from that standpoint. But you have to set it all up, which is a pain in the ass for running gun stuff. Right. I had this ridiculous bracket. Oh like, my god, I remember that. Do you remember the back? Wait, it was like a fra- flash it? bracket. It was that. That's the bracket that we're using now. The bra- the bracket that's holding your mic. This is what I'm saying. Like, remember when I was... Full circle. Full circle. I got to take a picture of that. Yeah, take a picture of it. So remember when I was setting this up and I was like, damn, we have like so much random like little gear that we're able to kind of like Frankenstein shit together. <laughs> we're able to like Frankenstein stuff together to work. It's not pretty and it, you know, but it, it works. But I do want to ask you a question, though, going back to that recorder. Yes. Do you <laughs> Look at this thing. The hot shoe. The cold shoe is, fa- oh, it's is, falling, is falling off. <laughs> Can I, I do have a question for you, though. Can you stop touching the mic? Jesus. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> okay, Sorry. listen. I do have a question for you, yes. though. Do, um, you're talking about the H4N, and you were talking about you didn't like the noise floor of the shotgun mic that you had. Yep. Do you find that making YouTube videos has kind of ruined your anal attention to detail? Because I remember when we were doing like commercial projects before we started our YouTube channel and we were very much like perfect lighting, perfect shot, perfect focus. The audio has to be flawless. And now it's just like run and gun, mic on top of the camera, whatever camera is the best camera. Like how do you think it's kind of ruined that for you? No, it's actually made me be able to bite the bullet and just put something out. Which mm-hmm. I couldn't do before, right? But even then, you can still see that old habits die hard because if you give me the camera to shoot some shots, to shoot, or just, even just like a random B-roll shot, mm-hmm. you'll know that I shot it because like I'll 
there's like five takes or 50 takes. Yeah, of the same. It's like one blade of grass and it's like 10 shots and they all look very similar. But that also comes back to you not editing the videos too. So That's you, true. you don't go through them. So like I know that I don't need 10 shots. I need like one or two or three shots that are strategic and then that's it. Move on. True. Because there's not enough time. So yeah, I think like going back to the whole production stuff, it's just, you know, you're doing commercial projects and everything has to be good and you have time. But when you're uploading YouTube videos, it's like one a week and you have to, it's not, not necessarily cutting corners, but just kind of being like, okay with it not being. You got to be efficient. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Efficient use of your time. So we're 15 minutes in. Okay. Are you sick of talking to me yet? It only took 15 minutes for us to drop the ASMR. <laughs> I mean, really, it usually takes less time than that when we're doing something else. But also, we're gonna... my legs are falling asleep. Okay, well, why don't you straighten them I'm out? I'm sitting cross-legged on the on the couch here with Becky. We're facing each other, but I, it's funny because I can sit in my little squat position. But you can't do cross-legged. What do you call? What do you call my squat position, honey? We're gonna take a quick break while Chris stretches his legs, and when we come back, I want to talk about some goals for 2020, but oh. also the Pantone color of the year because I have opinions about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll be right I can back. feel the blood going back in my legs. I Good. Love it. Okay. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the channel. Podcast. Channel. What? Oh, this is gonna get take some getting used to. Oh God, yes. I know. The first time I started recording with Wins Food, I was just like, okay, don't forget to um, hit the like button and subscribe and, and hit the bell so you don't so know if I post new videos. videos. We'll see you on the. Nope. nope. We won't. This is you audio. will not see us. Okay, so it's 2020. You'll hear us on the next episode. Yeah. Bah. Yeah, it's 2020. I can't believe it's basically been a decade since, well, first of all, it's been a decade since you and I started a screen printing studio and that like basically hustle to get here screen printing studio. That was like 2010. Yep. And now it's 2020, 10 years later, a lot wow. of change. Isn't that crazy? I was pushing squeegees 10 years ago. Yeah. You were also in med school two years, 10 years ago. That's so funny. One of um, my friends on Facebook because I, I did, I would do all the t-shirts for each incoming medical school class. I remember. And I remember someone posted a photo, I think of their kid wearing their medical school, um, whatever it's called, orientation t-shirt. Right. Was it the chest x-ray one? No, it was the one where there was a pocket with an otoscope or an ophthalmoscope oh, yeah. sticking I out of the remember. pocket. And then on the pocket, it said like MUNMED orientation. Mm-hmm. 2010 i guess or whatever and then they had a stethoscope like printed around the neck yeah so it was like a, oh a my God, pocket yeah. on one side and stethoscope come down the other side but i realized that the other side of the stethoscope wasn't there what i only put the bell of the, like the part that you listen the bell of the stethoscope <laughs> coming down but there right. was no like ear pieces on the other side is it because it's supposed to be like draped around your neck maybe <laughs> it was just draped around your shoulder that's stupid what was i thinking i don't know did you design it or did i i think i designed it well i'm pretty sure i designed it you're a noob i'm sure i drew it and then just like took a picture of it because i didn't own a scanner <laughs> talking about using gear that you don't oh, have man. yeah anyway gosh we had like a studio downtown st john's 10 years ago yep and not many people know that i know that's like a totally different part of our life yeah and now we're like making youtube videos and podcasts i went on a road trip house in buffalo I went on a road trip to Hillsville, Virginia, which I'm sure is close to where we were a couple weekends ago with Is and Johnny. Mm-hmm. Down to Virginia to this guy who owned a farm. He let us, we, we got there in the afternoon. He had a basement in t- chock full of screen printing studio. Was there like a snake skin on There it? was. We had a big like 18 foot U-Haul or whatever like the big one was. Mm-hmm. And we mom's were just- Mom's attic. Yeah, mom's attic. We filled mom's attic to the brim. 
we filled up we spent the whole afternoon loading in and there was still like tons of stuff left and we're like oh my god this is it's getting dark he's like oh you can just stay at our house so we went in his house and it was like in from another world there was a rattlesnake skin i mean the, the house is actually filthy <laughs> but i feel bad if you ever listens to this but it was absolutely filthy rattlesnake skin on the carpet the carpet was like well, didn't you like thick sleep shag on the carpet. floor no i slept in bunk beds okay but i was like oh my god like you're gonna die tonight. i'm pretty sure there's a rattlesnake that's just like slithering around this house somewhere you like I, wake up and there's a fucking rattlesnake like sitting on your chest like about yeah to eat. like how i have no idea if it was a rattlesnake or not. i'm i'm just that's the only kind of snake that i thought of but there's a snake skin there it was, it was disgusting anyway yeah. we woke up the next morning loaded the thing finished the load up put through had our bikes in the back so we shipped our bikes down it was me and my buddy beats who rides bmx with me and we road trip from hillsville virginia back to st john's newfoundland hitting skate parks on the way like old times because you were to... riding bmx back then no i had i hadn't ridden bmx in a long time right you had stopped point. and then yeah yeah but it was like for old time's sake i needed somebody to go on the road trip so me and my buddy beats just made a road trip and then i broke my had a fractured dislocation in my wrist how did that happen uh i fell off a half pipe <laughs> to the flat bottom and hyperextended my wrist jesus didn't you like this like put it back into place yourself and then you went to emerge and they were like you're fine yeah so i was in first year medical school and they and i remember i remember one lecture from an orthopedic surgeon who said if you're ever if you if you, you should never take this gnarly looking x-ray of a patient who's got a big fracture dislocation like he said your x-ray should never look like this and he showed an x-ray that was completely bent out of place mm -hmm. and he said you, you should reduce it which means pull it back into more normal anatomic alignment right and before you get the x-ray because you're gonna have to do it anyway and it'll help with the pain so mm -hmm. don't be cruel and don't send someone an x-ray before you reduce a fracture or dislocation so I remember thinking that I was like, well, I'm in 10 out of 10 pain right now. So there's nothing that can make this hurt any worse. So I might as well reduce it to see if it makes it feel better. So I just basically yanked on my wrist and heard a clunk, clunk. And then it looked, Jesus. instead of looking like a dinner fork, now it looks more straight, but it was just really swollen. Right. And I was like, okay, well, I'm still in 10 out of 10 pain. But anyway, so I went to the Emerge. So we actually detoured through Chipotle first because... Because Beats was, Chipotle. Beats was hungry. I had never actually had it before. Mm -hmm. So we did that. And then we Can went, I just say I was... I was very jealous when you went to, side note, I was very jealous that you went to Chipotle because I heard about Chipotle because I was watching Quest Crew at that time. It was like the only YouTube that I watched. So I'm like, calling you, your future husband, telling you that I had a broken wrist and all you cared about was- like, Chipotle, what did you get? That you missed Chipotle? I was like, guac okay. Guac extra? That you guac was extra, yeah. but thanks. So was the so was the x-rays and the oh, ER visit. <laughs> okay, so back to your story. So yeah, so, so I reduced it, went to- the er via chipotle and then, <laughs> your U-Haul yeah, full of fucking yeah. gear saw this is a, kind of my first experience with the u.s healthcare system outside of when we used to live in texas back when i was a kid but uh long story short i saw a pa with like a minor soft tissue quote-unquote injury yeah. um and i got in and out of the immersion like an hour and a half two hours wow. with, with x-rays like that's, that's unheard that's of in the kidney system mm -hmm. but I never actually saw a physician and it turns out he missed the perilunate fracture dislocation that I had, which is, a, knows what that is. which is a notoriously difficult thing for someone to miss. Mm -hmm. um, usually it's picked Wait, up. Wait, it's, it's a difficult thing for somebody to miss. It's, it's, it's hard to see. It's, it's, it's difficult for some... Sorry, I, I think I threw a double negative in there. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's easy for somebody to miss. Oh, okay. It's, it's, more, it's yeah. a more commonly missed injury. Right. Because it, so what is it? Is it like so it's you, a fracture? So it's... Well, I fractured my ulnar styla, which is a little bump on the end of my ulna. Okay. Which is one what of the... What is your ulna? It's like the end of your forearm where it meets the wrist. 
Oh, it's, oh, it's, that, it's that little bump on the out, bump. outside. Nobody can see, but it's like right below like the heel of your hand. Yeah, I'd say dorsal aspect of your wrist. Don't know. Um, Nobody. Yeah. Medial side, ulnar side. Okay, <laughs> anyway. well, anyway. So I broke that off, and he's like, oh, well, you got you. Ew, wait, okay, wait. You broke it off? Yeah, it's like a little thing. Wait. It's, so it's probably detached right now and ew. just floating there. Ew. Oh, my God, ew. No, what? You didn't know that? No, I thought it was like cracked <laughs> down. Yo, that No, so I had a comminuted fracture, which means it's basically shattered. So it could still be, it could have. It's just like floating around your fucking Yeah, I mean, that happens no all the time. Okay. Um, it's a common ulnar styloid injury. It doesn't really matter. So he's like, yeah, you ma- you smashed up your ulnar styloid, mm-hmm. but I don't see any fra- any other fractures. So, and then he started pimping me as a medical student. He's like, oh, you're a medical student. What do you, what do you worry about when you uh, fracture this bone here? He was pointing to the scaphoid. And it's like cl- one of those classic exam questions. Like, oh, scaphoid fracture, your knee-jerk reaction, no pun intended, is... AVN or avascular necrosis, just like what every medical student that's, knows. That's we all know. That's the. Answer. So he's like pimping me with questions oh while I'm there with a broken. While you're with a broken wrist floating around. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, he missed the 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 subtle widening of of the gap between two of the bones in the wrist, yeah. the scaphoid lunate interval, mm-hmm. and that was to telltale sign that. And but I even told him I was like, you know, FYI, my wrist looked like a lightning bolt. As of 30 minutes ago, I pulled it back into place, heard a clunk, and now it's lined up. So I, I literally told him that I had a dislocation. So right. it was it was kind of a, you know, hey, listen to your patient. And mm-hmm. just because you don't see any fractures in the x-ray doesn't mean that, you know, I, I said, I literally reduced it myself. So that should be a red flag to you. But anyway, uh, it wasn't. So long story short, I we cut our trip short, went beeline straight back to St. John's. Okay, wait, you missed a very important and hilarious part of that story. Would you give me that look? You don't want to bring it up? No, what what's part of the story? She's about to bring it up. You're crossing the border. Oh, yeah. You got a broken wrist. So he gives you me You got prescription medication. He gives me a bottle of Vicodin, which is just like a pretty, you know, a decent hefty duty painkiller that a lot of times you get when you've got breaks and things like that or your post op. And we get across, go across the border and they were like, do you have a manifesto or a list of all the stuff that's in the U-Haul? So I said, yeah, here it is. And he looked in the back and he's like, okay, I'm just, he randomly searched my belongings. And I had declared everything, but I had forgotten that I had shipped one box of ink. It was like, it, it was like a hundred bucks. That's all it fucking takes. For like a $12,000 screen printing studio. It was like a hundred dollars worth of ink. And I forgot that I had shipped it back to this person's address to take it with us across the border just so I can have it all in one loop. Cause I think the ink manufacturer was like in that state or something. So anyway, he finds this receipt in the, sh- in my backpack saying, you didn't declare this ink. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I totally forgot. Look, it's like a hundred bucks. He was like everything out of the U-Haul. <laughs> so I'm here with a broken wrist trying to move a like 600 pound printing press, 400 pound conveyor belt, 54 inch wide conveyor belt dryer, hundreds of pounds of ink screens, everything. <laughs> and then he, and then he pulls out the prescription meds. I'm like I have a scr- prescription for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> so, so he probably thought this was like a big sham thing. He's like, yeah, a fake cast on fake bottle of drugs, just to sh- smuggle a $100 screen printing box of screen printing inks across the border. So weren't you there for like 12 hours? Or we were something? there for, I think nine hours, eight or nine hours. This is what I'm picturing. Okay. Let me paint this picture. Tell me if I'm accurate. You're pulled up. It's blazing fucking hot because I know it was July because it was like my birthday and you got home at midnight. I think we were pulled into like this garage type area. It okay. was it wasn't like inside, but it was underneath an overhang. Oh, at I was least. Never like a pavilion or something. I was picturing it like a parking lot, blazing sun. No, no, no. no. We were we were under a pavilion. Like, okay, splayed out on the thing. You're struggling. You're <laughs> oh, like, it was all splayed wrist, out. Your like wrist wrap is like billowing in the wind. Yeah, like, that's kind of accurate. Truth be told, Beats did most of it. 
and, and the customs guy did help. I was like, look, guys, if you want this, all this all the shit out of the U-Haul, that's fine, but you're going to have to help. Check out a perilunate fracture dislocation. Well, at that point, I didn't know I did. Right. So you ended <laughs> up having surgery on your wrist. I did, yeah. So when I got back, the the PA had told me, oh, when you get back to Canada, just go see an orthopedic surgeon and have them kind of just close the loop with your orthopedic surgeon. And so it's funny because people shit on the US system that, oh, you didn't see a physician, you saw a PA and therefore they missed this injury and maybe in a real, uh, a full, maybe a full-fledged eMERGE doc would have seen this and therefore, um, you know, you wouldn't have had this miss. Uh, the flip side of that is I went to Canada to get that orthopedic surgery consult and they're like, oh, you don't have any breaks. Oh, it's going to be at least six months till you see an orthopedic surgeon for a soft tissue injury. Hmm. So I was two weeks out. My wrist was still swollen all the hell. It was like purple. Like your fingers were like sausages. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. And so I just happened to be doing a project with a a radiologist who, for people who don't know about medicine, radiologists, the joke is that, you know, you, you abandon your clinical skills long ago in medical school and residency and you just sit in front of a computer and read images all day. Which is funny because that's what you do now. Except for you also do procedures. Well, I do IR. So there's still some clinical element. I still see Mm -hmm. patients. I still sort of, you know, have a, I I don't want to say more clinical acumen, but more clinical acumen. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so it wasn't until I saw a radiologist who I was doing a project with who said, um, oh, what happened to your wrist? And before, so I went and saw my my family doctor who had someone locoming, someone filling in for him, sort of like a substitute. And they were like, oh, you just need a referral to ortho? Okay. Here, here's your referral script. They filled it out, sent it in. It took like two seconds. Like, oh, you don't need to examine my wrist and look at it? No, no, it's fine. You just need a referral. I'm like, okay. So, you know, it's classic, like overworked, cutting corners, not examining patient. When And as a second year, first year medical student where you're doing like hour long examinations of patients. I was like, this is blasphemous. Yeah. So I went and saw the radiologist and he was like, oh, well, let me take a look at it. And I was like, how long ago was it? I was like, oh, it was two weeks ago. He's like, well, let me take a look at it. It was the radiologist out of all people, total irony, that actually asked to see my wrist, examine me. He's like, yeah, something doesn't look right. Two weeks out, you're still really swollen. I think you need to see someone sooner. And they asked if I had my x-rays with me. I didn't because they were on a disc at home. He's like, well, nonetheless, just I can get you in. I'll, let me call my buddy who just happens to be, he had a friend that was an orthopedic surgeon. So mm-hmm. he called him. I was like, hey, I got a med student here who's messed his wrist up. Do you mind just seeing him? And he was told to follow up with an orthopedic surgeon when he got home. Uh, yeah, sure. Send him to clinic tomorrow morning. He has to come before clinic because I, I want to fit him in, you know, before the clinic gets really busy. So I showed up at 7 a.m. I think he saw me first patient of the day. He was like, and he sh- I took my x-rays in. He's like, yep, see, you have a uh, widening of your scapula interval, which means you basically ripped out all the ligaments at your wrist Ew. Okay. and we needed to repair them. Ideally, within three weeks, you're going to have long-term arthritis and very oh, poor shit. range of motion. Um, scary. So he's like, I have an elective hip replacement tomorrow. I can bump. Um, and I'm going to put you in the OR in that slot. So it was literally saw the, saw my radiologist buddy on Tuesday, uh, clinic Wednesday, OR Thursday. Wow. So I credit my, I credit my interventional radiology career, which is using wires and catheters to Dr. Paul John, who was, oh, the, it was Dr. John, it was Dr. Oh, John, that's nice. who was a mentor, I guess is a mentor of mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was, he's the one who, who actually saved my IR career. Cause I would not be able to move my wrist probably more than a few degrees if, if I didn't, if he didn't pick that up. Holy shit. That, and that's Dr. John in Newfoundland, not the Dr. John you work with currently. Correct. Just Dr. Like, John as in the, the Asian J E O N. Wow. That's so crazy. Hey. Yeah. 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 And like such a full circle, like 10, basically 10 years ago, breaking your wrist, Dr. John catches your thing, you have surgery, and now here you are doing IR and- Using my wrist every day. Using your wrist every day. I mean, what profession wouldn't you use your wrist really? No, but you you had like very fine like motor skills when you're doing your procedures. Like, I mean, I use my wrist every day on the computer, but it's like, 
I don't need to have like perfectly precise movements, you know, whereas like you, you really like that scar is no joke. It's a pretty decent scar. Anyway, I think we've spent 20 minutes on this or so no, on this story. That was an interesting story. But yeah, so like 10 years. Yeah, so lots of things have changed in 10 years, but it is 2020. Do you have And I know go, I, I want to talk about goals for a second because I find setting goals really important. Um, I know you have like life goals and you don't really normally set like yearly goals, but do you have anything like for 2020 that big, you know, you want to do or that you want to change or... I don't know because <laughs> I, I I've pretty much accomplished all the goals I want to accomplish in life. Mm-hmm. Everything is just like icing on the cake for you at this point. Yeah, I survived into my 30s mm-hmm. as a kid who was again riding BMX, breaking their wrist, almost you know <laughs> temporarily paralyzing myself back as a kid. Fuck. When I, I, that. <laughs> that was terrifying. yeah, smack. Won't get into that story, but basically smack my neck off a handrail and temporarily paralyze myself. Your I sister was. Sister told me you had a broken leg. She had no idea what was going on. No, well, she's only baby. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So I, I'm surprised. Looking back on it now, mm-hmm. I had a crazy childhood. Surprised that I survived it. Yeah, <laughs> I honestly am surprised you didn't end up with worse breaks or worse, you know, like a head injury or something. I mean, yeah. Anyway, so, your helmet, so still alive. There you go. That's all you can mm-hmm. ask for. What are your, what are your goals? Um, I actually wrote them down. I like to write my goals down every year. Not like, I like to write small goals that are easy to accomplish because sometimes we have these like huge, big life altering goals that we want to accomplish. Nothing more satisfying than ticking off a checklist. It's so good. Sometimes I'll add things to my checklist just so I can tick them off. Yes. Agree. (laughs) It's like, oh, just finished that task. Wait a second. It wasn't on my list. (laughs) Add it to the list. Truck. (laughs) I've totally done that before. But that, yeah. So I like to set like small ones that I know that are easy to, um, get because sometimes if you set these big ones and don't complete them it's kind of like discouraging but for this year I have things like I want to do like I don't have I think my like my goal for this year would be I'd like to create another YouTube series of some type uh, I know we've kind of talked about um, cu- a couple of ideas so would one of those ser- with that series perhaps pertain to icebergs potentially or is that confidential information that we're going to have to edit out? Oh, it might be. Would that series also pertain to a home renovation? Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> is that something we're going to have to bleep out? Uh, I don't know. We can tease it on this. Only the, the hardcores who are actually listening to this podcast will know. I also would like to submit a film to Bufferfest. Oh, that's a great goal. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to do it, but I wanted to do it last uh, two years ago when we moved, but I couldn't go back to Canada because of my green card. Uh, thing was in process or lack thereof yeah so and then this year i didn't even think of it it kind of just like came and it was like buffer fast and then i didn't i think i want to like incorporate a more healthy life style into my like daily so like a better work-life balance for sure i i feel like i haven't been the best boss to myself over the last couple of months and it's kind of like you know this balance of you know hustling and trying to grow your business but then also um self-care so i think setting like my goal is to um set better boundaries for myself uh, in terms of like my work and then like my outside of work stuff you're not a, a you're not a believer of the hustle culture oh god i feel like i could do a, we could do like a full podcast on that even a video but no i i don't believe in the hustle culture i have to sleep eight hours or else i cannot function i need my breaks like i i feel like the hustle culture is like over harvesting the grapes analogy you <laughs> yeah. know? so we went to a vineyard we took our parents to a vineyard um for a wine tasting but neither one of us drank so it was basically just for our parents but mm-hmm. i found it really interesting because it they interesting. talked about the vineyard itself but also how it 
you know, harvesting grapes works. And they were talking about, you know, we can harvest the grapes to this degree, but we're only cutting into our, mar our what, what do you say, cutting into our yield next year. Mm -hmm. Because if you over harvest the grapes, then you'll cut it, you'll, it'll, it's not good for the plants and then they won't produce as much next year. So it's not a sustainable activity. I was like, oh my God, there's so many, that's such an analogy for life. Yeah. There's so many parallels, whether oh, it be, you know, doing sponsor content for your audience. If you just keep shoving products down their throat, people are gonna say, okay, you guys are just in it to, to sell shit to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's why we try to only do partnerships with brands that we actually believe in. Right. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with people doing partnerships. I mean, you have to make a living. It's somehow, true. It's true. Yeah. But, but I do think that it's easy to overdo. It is. And it's very easy to do it in a way that comes off as inauthentic. Definitely. And especially for a channel like ours, where we built our, our subscriber base, like we didn't monetize till after hundred K for, because we couldn't. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a separate podcast yeah. because there's so many details on why we couldn't do that. So it's like that, you know, har over harvesting your grapes. If you oversell it, then you're just going to hurt yourself in the long run. Yeah. And I think that goes with creativity as well. I think if you over harvest and you're trying to push out like creative content constantly, you just end up over harvesting our ideas, over har harvesting motivation. And then you kind of start to get burnt out. And then there becomes this like almost resentment. Like I, this happened to me when I was freelancing. I worked so much. I was going to say, didn't it happen to you when you had your first job within a marketing agency? Yes, it did. I hated graphic design after that job. I was working like a full-time job at a marketing company, nine to five. And somehow by the end of my career there, I was working till like seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night and not getting paid extra. And it was like every night or they expected me to come in on the weekends to like finish. Because you were salaried. Because I was salaried and I worked fast. So they kind of like overworked me to the point where I was like, I don't. Well, they took advantage of you. They did. Yeah, I think so. And it was to the point where like I was like I don't like this anymore this is not what I thought graphic design was and I was fiercely passionate about you know how much I loved because I wanted to go to school for photography and ended up going to design school because it was local and fell in love with it and that's what I wanted to do and I think that the marketing company job kind of ruined it for me a little bit but same thing with um turning photography into my career when I was freelancing I was at a point where I didn't want to touch my camera for a long time you stopped so, taking photos for yourself and photos for fun. Yeah. And I think that was like a definitely over harvesting the grapes moment as well. Just doing it too much. You ran out of grapes. I ran out of grapes. <laughs> yeah. I was just doing it too much and I didn't like what I was shooting. And then I just was like, I don't, this sucks. And then I had to find another creative outlet. So um, I don't want that to happen with YouTube because I really enjoy this and I'd like to make a sustainable career out of it while it, while I can. And, uh, but I also don't want to burn myself out to the point where I hate it and have to pivot again. Well, in 2016, when we moved to Vancouver, was that a break for you? Cause you kind of stopped doing any, any and all freelance work and focused on a personal project, which was our YouTube right? to try to, I guess, heal or mend your, your burnout or brokenness. Uh, I think like six months into Vancouver was when I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to stop freelancing. I'm going to tell all my remaining clients that I'm done and I'm going to focus 100% on YouTube. And I think when I let them go, I had this like moment of relief. I was just like, oh my God, it was like a weight off my shoulders. It was like, okay, I can start over now doing something that I feel like is my purpose, even though, you know, our, we didn't have a lot of subscribers and, you know, our videos weren't the greatest, but I it felt like the thing that I wanted to do because it was like blogging, but better. But with video. But with video. Hence, it's like moving vlogging. Pictures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think, yeah, that whole year, it was like a great excuse for me to try something different and move on. 
Um, and then when we found out we weren't moving home, because that was another thing, it was like, okay, I'm giving up all my clients for this one year, but what happens when I move home? Do I continue to freelance, which I don't want to do because I'm, I'm over harvested. I want to do YouTube, but like, is that even a sustainable thing that can happen? Can I be a YouTuber, you know? On the island of Newfoundland. On the island of Newfoundland. Yeah. It's like, I don't really know a lot of people who are doing that on the island. I'm sure maybe there are, but I don't know. There probably are. Probably. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So it's like being a tech, like photo YouTuber person who does travel videos on an island that's kind of secluded. So it was kind of scary. But then when it was like, okay, you're moving to Buffalo and once all of the sadness went away <laughs> and I you stopped cried crying. you cried so hard God, i i at cried. the prospect of moving to buffalo new york i cried at, at the prospect of moving to buffalo new york i had uh, so much anxiety over the unknowns of life you know but you know what career changes and losing jobs relocating going somewhere where you don't know anybody it's so scary it is but it's it's actually a very common thing to have happen to, I mean, most people will have that happen to them. Right. I think Newfoundland's a bit of a bubble because it's a very small town, or sorry, sorry I should say, hometown mentality, mm-hmm. where a lot of people, they finish school, they go to school at, at, you know, locally at Memorial University, they stay in town to do, to their, to work, to have their job, and they just are always around their parents, you know, and that's, and it's fine, but it's a very small town mentality. Definitely, yeah. Whereas in the U.S., it's like, it's natural to like my mom was saying when I was eight when I was nine years old my mom said Chris you're halfway there she said halfway to where mom halfway to leaving me I was Aww. like mom I'm never gonna leave you she was like get the fuck out when you're 18 okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly right yeah when I was 26 and just and I was like come on Chris it's time to move out of mother's basement <laughs> it's like but yeah. this is free <laughs> yeah. but mom cooks for me and does my laundry and it's free and yeah it's free but but yeah, so going back to that, like moving to Buffalo was kind of like, this is my opportunity to start fresh and actually decide what I want to do with my life. And even though I had to get a part-time job moving down here, which actually is kind of exciting because now I do not have that job anymore. So I'm officially like a full-time YouTuber. It took three years. You're a full-time YouTuber. I'm a full-time YouTuber. It's crazy. It's just, yeah, it's it's weird, but I think moving allowed me to let all of that go. Because there is like a part of you that's kind of like, you feel bad because you have, I had some really amazing clients that I I felt bad leaving because I liked them as people. Yeah. But I just didn't want to do the work anymore. And that was the weird thing. And then it's like, where do you go from there? You're a designer, you're a photographer, you're doing the freelance. What are the other options? I don't want to work for somebody. <laughs> but now I don't want to freelance. So then it's like, what do you fucking do? And you could just do nothing. Well, I mean, our blog was kind of like, a th- <laughs> I mean, yeah, I couldn't do nothing. <laughs> I can't just, yeah. But our blog, like at that time we had a blog and we had one like, contest and it was starting to grow so i was kind of like well maybe that could be a thing yeah and then yeah so what's your what would you tell people who ask the question of when should they go full-time youtube i feel like the rush to be a full-time youtuber and to make the money is like the pressure of that is really real and that's what people kind of start off wanting that's never how we started we wanted to document our life and the money thing and the monetization was after that's true and i have no reference for this but somebody told me a buddy of mine who has a kid I think in elementary school said that he just heard recently a statistic that was saying the what people like when you ask kids what they want to be when they grow up the the most common um i guess you could say the modal answer mm-hmm. the most common answer would be youtuber yeah wow that's crazy it's surpassed like anything else like mm-hmm. fireman policeman doctor lawyer it's like yeah. youtuber yeah it's so po- you know everybody's watching youtube yeah. Yeah. I, I have nothing i've no i don't know where that came from or if it's a substantiated statistic no, but I've heard that before. it was interesting because anecdotally he's seen it from the kids that his son hangs out with Mm -hmm. so i was like really kids are like i want to be a youtuber 
That's so crazy. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like you can't really go into it and be like, I want to be a YouTuber. Therefore, I'm going to just like start making money right away because there is like the whole thing of you have to have a certain amount of subscribers to get approved for the program but it's just not sustainable if you go into it like that you have to love what you're making but i think a lot of some people do oh yeah like and I've, think, met, I've met people who started their channel strictly with the intent of becoming business. a massive youtuber as a business and they've and they've succeeded True. you know but the the catch is is that they they enjoyed it that's the thing is if you enjoy it fine i should take back what i said i don't think there's anything wrong with it going into it with a business mindset you can't go into it being like i want to make vlogs and make it into a business because nobody gives a fuck about your vlog. It's true. It's no so one cared true. about our vlogs. Nobody it was cared. a very slow growth when we started because that's all we were doing. Years. We were Tell only doing vlogs. We were only doing, nobody cared. Which is fine because it was kind of a, like we, we said it, we've said it multiple times before. It was made as a way to document our, like the same reason that you upload stuff to Facebook pictures and mm -hmm. put them on, and even just sometimes put them on private just so you can get, oh, five years ago to this day, you were doing this. Right. And it's a nice reminder. It is, yeah. But we have that catalog of weekly videos from that Vancouver year that we did. Yeah. Some of which we go back on and look at and we're like, wow, I totally forgot about doing this. Mm -hmm. And this would have been, and it, it shines a light on how much you forget about your life. Oh, totally. And which otherwise would have been forgotten forever. Well, and the funny thing about that too is like we documented that whole year and there were a lot of, that was probably one of our toughest years so far. We had a lot of like really, you know, kind of depressing and sad moments and like life-changing moments. But looking back on it, I don't even remember the, like I remember the way I felt if I think about it, but I don't remember all the bad stuff. I remember all of the nice videos that we made and the, ex the excursions that we went on because- Because the tendency for people to look back on things with rose-colored sunglasses. Exactly. Going back to what you said about the career thing, I think if you're if you want to make it into a career, you have to be strategic about the content. But you can't go into it wanting to document your life and then expect to make that into a career. People need to care about you first. You, your content needs to have value, or else it's just not going to work. It's very saturated. There are a it lot is. of people in the space trying to do the exact same thing, mm -hmm. and in turn, it's going to be it's just that much harder to stand out in the noise. I, I mean, that, there's no right or wrong answer, but obviously, no. we waited till what 150. We waited till one fit, but I mean, we couldn't monetize for a long time because right. of our situation. But when you say going full time, you mean like leaving the day job, your full days, your life is revolving. So I think it's technically then that would be 170,000 because that wasn't until you were fully. I, I guess I consider myself full time even when I had a part time job because I felt like I was working full time hours. True. But I think if you're working like a full time job and then you're considering going full time on YouTube, I think you need to make sure that you have money in the bank in case it doesn't work out. And you need to be making some kind of sustainable income from it before you leave your jo day job. Yeah. Like like a lot of industries, I feel like this is a very winner takes all field mm -hmm. in the sense that you look at the top people and they are raking in money hand over fist. But then you've got for every one person who's doing that, there's thousands and thousands of sort of micro uh, vloggers who right. are in their respective niches and they're making a decent salary, but they're working hard. They're grinding it out more than full-time hours and they're making what you'd probably make in a traditional job. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm biased and seeing it that way, but I, I do get that impression that there's this very um, slanted pyramid shaped um, income distribution. I, I And I think that's like most industries in any capitalist society. <laughs> okay. We got to wrap it up because okay. people are like, who are these people? A, B, this is boring for me now. Okay, well, not I me. Them. <laughs> I do want to ask one question. Okay. What do you think about the Pantone color of the year? Because <laughs> it's very important it. to me. Okay, I, I love Pantone. I here it is, it. right here. Pantone color of the year, classic blue. Classic blue. Nineteen dash forty fifty two. I knew that. See, I knew that because I, you know I can what? guess you... Pantone colors really well. Yeah, you, well, I mean, you proved that in that video we made where you like 
you're like, oh, it's this Pantone color, and you nailed it. Yeah. Which was, I was just like, what? And so half that was luck, but I kind of knew the deck went sort of like a rainbow. And yeah. I knew that 319 was your favorite, which is seafoam green. Yeah. So I was like, well, if 319 is seafoam green, 372 or whatever it was must be sort of like a truer green, green color, lime green. And you, were, you nailed it. And it that. was perfectly right. <laughs> but you know, it's funny that that's my favorite Pantone color because I all of our house and Instagram feed and everything is like, basically monotone yeah now you do love a good now your favorite pantoon pantoon, uh, pantoon. <laughs> the, the pantoon boat yeah do you like it yeah it's basically like the color of my hair for the last five years it has been i mean i i was thinking more like all american oh yeah okay classic blue you know like red white and blue stars and stripes right it kind of reminds me of like nighttime sky you oh, know say can you see? see this is the moment on youtube where i would just like zoom into my face <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now that we're living in America. Okay, so you have no opinions. You like it. I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, whatever. All right. Well, I guess we should wrap this up. Hope you guys liked listening to this special edition of Tuxedo Time Podcast, podcast edition. edition. What, do, what do people usually say? Because, I mean, we have our spiel for wins food, but it, what is it like if you like the video? No, that's our YouTube. I don't part. even think we need one. <laughs> but anyway, do the things. If you like it, leave a comment. Let us know if you like it. Find on, us on the social channels. At Becky and Chris. Tweet us. Let us know on the Twitter if you like it, if you want to hear more. And uh, we're probably going to be posting these uh, twice a month. So probably the first week and the third week. All right. Well, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, we'll see you on the next one.